Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting, and your all-around hiring guru. And it is my absolute pleasure to search around the world to find you thought leaders that are going to help you land your next job, find your passion, or even just keep your job by looking at your mindset. And today is no different. I have brought you another great thought leader. So let me introduce Laura D. Benedetto, best-selling author of The Six Habits fantastic books guy books book guys I'm gonna get this right eventually TEDx speaker and happiness coach Laura's book is full of simple habits we can adopt to generate happiness she's passionate about helping others establish these habits to improve their lives careers and overall feeling of wellness Laura is living proof that you can overcome your circumstances to rise and create the life of your dreams she's experienced poverty bullying domestic abuse and bankruptcy but has overcome those challenges to achieve financial freedom and true inner joy thank you for joining us today laura it is awesome to see you again my friend thank you for having me (laughs) so we always start the show off with letting our audience know how we got connected so how did you and i meet i didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz in this interview Well, I was lucky enough to attend a networking event online that you happened to be at, and it was actually a lot of fun. I didn't think that online networking events would be um, as helpful or as engaging, but this one was, and you and I met, hit it off, and here we are. Absolutely, and so the networking event that you're speaking of is, and this this guy gets a lot of traction on our podcast, was Frank Egan's networking hub. So great, great, you know, I have, I have a real major project going right now that I've shared with you and it almost every single resource that I've needed for that project has come through the hub. I'm not surprised. Yeah. He's created something really special. Absolutely. He has. (laughs) So anyway, let's dive into your six habits. And, and I think I shared this with you that like, literally I, you know, there's, there's no coincidences, right? There's only synchronicities. No. (laughs) As soon as I read your book, I had just ordered it and I ordered it on Kindle and I was, one of my coworkers came up to me and they were like, Hey, what, what books would you recommend to someone who's looking for, you know, to change their mindset specifically if they're very negative about everything that's going on at work. And, you know, I thought about some books that I'd read and then I started reading your book and I was like, stop, no, they need to read this book. This is the book. This, I was meant to read this so I could tell you this. Do you believe in that? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I know that you enjoyed the book. I got your positive feedback before and that made me super happy. And, uh, you know, word of mouth is the very best way to get people to find new information, um, you know, without feeling pressured or anything or feeling like they're being marketed to or sold to. If someone loves it and they tell someone else, that's the best thing you could ever hope for. Absolutely. And let me tell you something. They call me the town crier. (laughs) <laughs> when I find something that I love, I want to tell 
everybody about it. So nice. <laughs> believe me, it's, <laughs> your book has been mentioned many, many times since I've read it. So I love all of that so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of give us the origin of how this book came about, if you don't mind. I do not mind at all. So I'm guessing that once or twice in your life, you might have run up against a little bit of depression, right? Right. Well, I did the same, except I experienced it over and over and over. And uh, I had a really uh, aggressive career in marketing. Uh, I started a marketing company when I was 19. And um, it's funny how much you think you know at 19 compared to what you actually know. The, the gap is staggering. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I had a lot of work to do to fill in that gap over the years. And I worked very, very hard. And uh, didn't always work smart and you know made mistakes but managed to build myself a great exit plan and i was able to retire um in 2018 and i'm really really grateful that i got to do that except when i got there all of the depression i'd ever felt before and everything else kind of came barreling at me all at once and it was like a gigantic elephant sat down on my chest it was crushing it was the the weight of who am i now i'm i'm not you know, day-to-day -day CEO, am I important anymore? Am I valuable anymore? Well, I have all this money and I have all these accomplishments and awards and whatever, and do they even matter? Because I'm not actually happy. Why? So being a curious little bugger, as entrepreneurs often are, it just bothered me. Why do I feel this way? I shouldn't. I, I followed the recipe. That America wants to convince you is the formula for happiness. Have the great career, make all the money, do all the things, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't it work? What did I do wrong? Well, I wanted to know. So I started doing a research project to figure out what the happiest pe people had in common because I clearly wasn't one of them. And uh, I wanted to figure out what it was so I could fastidiously take notes. I'm going to do that and that and that. And... Um, I learned some really interesting things when I was just studying human behavior and looking at science and looking at um, just thought leadership and personal development all over the place. Happiness is not something you buy. They even say that, yes, happiness can, you know, money can buy you a vacation, but how do you feel when you get off the plane when you get home? I wanted to solve that. I didn't want to surf from high to high and just be like escaping the lows. What I found is that happiness is a product of the mind. Happiness and our whole lives is a reflection of how we think. So my book, The Six Habits, is all about the research that I did, the self-experimentation, and a lot of the uh, work that I did with my clients to change the thinking to six new habitual thought patterns versus the old defaults that were not serving me before. And um, I could go on and on, but I will tell you, I'm a different woman, I'm a happier woman, I'm a more courageous woman, and I'm richer for it. That is awesome. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Have you seen any of his work? And I mean, it's fascinating what, exactly what you're just saying about, you know, your reality is kind of what you think. And if you think that the world's a miserable place, it's going to be a miserable place. But he's actually created these, he, he's created a way that he can measure like 
your brain waves and your your happiness waves through you know meditation and he sh has shown how your brain actually changes in response to your thoughts mm -hmm. it's fascinating so it's, fascinating I mean, it's truly incredible and um I, there was a study that was done uh that talked about how we we have it measured quality and quantity of thought, and uh, around sixty thousand thoughts per day is what we think, and about eighty five percent of this are the same as the previous day, and about eighty percent of those are negative. I know. That's not okay. No. How can you possibly build a positive life and make all your dreams come true when you're busy, like, bashing yourself into the ground? You can't. So, so what are some of your most utilized habits to create happiness? Well, there's obviously six in the book that I talk about, but what I would love to tell you about is my favorite one that I need the most right now. You know, the world is definitely a weird place, one that um, I look around and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> It's so strange now. Um, and it could depress people. It depressed me for a while. And of the six habits, the third habit, the habit of gratitude, is the one where I spend a lot of time focusing my energy. So the habit of gratitude, it's not just like, oh, I got to write out my gratitude list at the end of the day. It's, it's a gratitude lifestyle. It's the perspective through which you view all of your life. And, you know, when you introduced me and the concept for the book, you said that they're pretty simple. They are, right? What's not simple is changing your thought patterns to default to gratitude. That's where the work is. And after the last year, it's, um, it's been proven to me that more people need this than I've ever seen. So, Gratitude helps us to realize that when the world is falling apart and buildings are falling down in Miami and people are getting hurt and detained at the border and this and that and jobs are lost and lives are lost and all this other stuff, there is good. The sun still shines. Today is a good day to be alive. There is hope for tomorrow. We have air in our lungs. We have possibility. We have freedom to choose our own path. We have loved ones. We have things that have gone well. We've had privileges in our lives beyond measure. And the gratitude lifestyle, the gratitude mentality, it definitely takes a lot of work to cultivate. And when you can actually create gratitude as your default mental habit, one that you don't have to think about, you see the world differently. You react to the tragedies that unfold around us every day differently. You respond to terrifying things differently. And you, you just show up in a more courageous way to whatever happens. I, and I think that's so true. And I love that of your six habits, your favorite one is gratitude because in having that gratitude lifestyle, that's one thing that I incorporate every day, every morning and every evening. I do a morning check-in and an evening check-in and I have to list at least three things I'm grateful. And sometimes, I mean, you would think three things, that's not a lot of things, right? And you're like, nah, I just got up. I don't want to think about it. But if, if I really force myself, and I don't always have to force myself, but if I'm feeling like I don't want to do it and I still make myself do it, my day starts off so much better. And even, yes. you know, when you go, when it's the last thing you do at night, you're going to wake up on the other side in that gratitude phase already. Do you agree with that? I do, but I would actually love to challenge you. Okay. What would happen 
if you no longer looked at gratitude as the beginning of the and the end of each day, but all throughout the day. It's every moment brings an opportunity to be grateful. You, you walk into a meeting and something's going wrong. What would happen if you challenged yourself right now to say, the next time something ticks me off, I will find three reasons to be grateful for that moment. And the next time, and the next time, and the next time. And then when I'm sitting in traffic and I'm bored, I want to think about how, my, how I'm blessed I am. And when I'm sitting there picking at my fingernails, can I be grateful for the fact that I have fingernails? How deep and broad can your gratitude be? Because while it's nice to be grateful twice a day, I'm encouraging you to be grateful all day as a default. Well, and I think that when you start your day with gratitude, you tend to default to the gratitude the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And it helps you do that. And it's so funny that you brought up traffic because literally on my way to work this morning, I was late. And this guy, the light turned green to turn left. And he just sat there on his phone. And finally, he realized at the very end that, oh, it's green. And he goes, and guess who gets the red light again? Well, if you believe in the butterfly effect, who knows? Maybe he prevented you from dying in a car accident. That's exactly. I didn't think butterfly effect, but I was like, you know what? It's okay. For some reason, I wasn't supposed to go. So you're exactly right, you know? And that, and I love even just kind of going off on a tangent, you know, what Zig Ziglar used to say, he's, he's like, they're not stoplights, they're go lights. <laughs> and so I love that. And, I th and I, every time I get a red light, I'm like, nope, go light. I'm supposed to sit here and think about something. So I think that's I pretty, that. yeah. So what are some of the, um, or our audience is, you know, really made up of professionals that are looking for new jobs. What advice can you give those people to help them maintain happiness, even in the midst of a stressful job search? Because we've seen a lot of those lately. Oh my goodness, I know. Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge that you're stressed. Denying it will not help you. Uh, own the fact that you're upset about it and maybe explore why. Why am I so upset about this? What is this is really the, the genesis problem? Are you insecure because you're afraid that no one will hire you? Are you impatient because you're sick of doing it? Are you feeling like maybe you don't stack up to the other candidates? Like what is the real thing that's bothering you? Sometimes the journey itself is bothersome. Sometimes it's the fact that you feel like a fish out of water. Sometimes it's all of it. But when you can be hyper aware and name your feelings and really get curious about them, they start to have a lot less power over you um, and you can explore them and you can also do something about them much better when you get more specific. If you're feeling like, okay, well, I'm upset, this is really stressful, ask yourself why. You know, you'll get an answer like, oh, well, I just, I feel insecure and I don't feel like anyone's going to hire me in this. I've gone on so many interviews and I know that's happening, right? Um, ask yourself, okay, why do I feel insecure? Why am I not getting hired? Look at it objectively. Try to take your emotion out of it and be a little scientist for yourself and get curious about it. Keep going down the why rabbit hole. You get permission to be three years old again. Why, 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 why? Go down the rabbit hole until you get to the bottom where you're like just left with your raw truth. And that's the thing you can truly uh, do something about. And when you address that, you're going to feel so much better and you won't have to constantly be trying to put out fires because you're solving or at least addressing the real issue that's bothering you because the job search is simply a symptom. That, that is so good. And really what I was hearing there was the coach coming out in you with the whys and the curious questions and stuff like that. But, and it's true, we can do that ourselves. It's, I highly encourage 
anyone that, well, anyone that breathes to get a coach, right? <laughs> For real. Because it, my favorite saying is you can't read the label from inside the jar, you know? <laughs> so a coach can help you do that. But also a coach is going to ask you why, 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 until you're sick. But we're going to get to the, you know, to the real problem by doing that. I think coaches are a wonderful asset for another reason, uh, just to add to what you're saying, uh, for anyone listening or watching to this, like if you ever thought about a coach, a coach should help you to know yourself better and ask you the questions that you're not thinking of. Hold your hand while you face the ugly stuff you find and help you get through it instead of wanting to quit. It's a journey. And it's good to have someone to guide you on it, be it a pragmatic endeavor or an emotional one or some blend thereof. Yeah, I agree. It's the, I think it's the accountability of having a coach. So, so and, and we kind of talked about this earlier, but I want to dig just a little bit deeper. What role does mindset play in happiness? Mindset's everything. It's, that's where the happiness comes from is your mind. Happiness does not come from your wallet or your children or even your roles in life as, you know, podcast host, mother, daughter, friend, boss, recruiter, whatever. Your happiness does not come from your roles. Your happiness comes from who you are and who you are is comprised of your thoughts. That's it. Your who you are is your adjectives. It's your... Uh, descriptors like you're funny, you're nice, you're caring, you're curious, you love this, you love that, blah, blah, blah. You hate this, you hate that. That's who you are. And all of that stuff is a product of your thinking. So uh, first of all, mindset is very important because it defines all of that. And if you have a crappy mindset, how do you think that's going to go for you? <laughs> Probably not that great. But if you have a really constructive mindset that can carry you through rough times and help you to do hard things, face your fears, take on challenges and say yes to stuff that maybe you don't feel ready for, well, you've got a winning mindset. I, I love that. Or a growth mindset, right? Um, and because you're constantly wanting to stretch those boundaries. Um, okay, so let's say I'm negative Nancy here. Okay. How can someone change their mindset after identifying that they may be approaching life with negativity? Again, with that curiosity, I would say the first thing I always help my clients to do, uh, be it uh, when I'm helping my entrepreneurs to get a business off the ground or just helping everyday awesome human beings to just be happier, it's incredible, profound self-awareness. So if your first inclination is, I'm not happy, okay, start asking why, why am I not happy and go deep. So you notice that when you read the book, there were only about 700 invitations to go get all the free stuff that comes with the book. In the free stuff is all of the things that help you do just that, like get to know yourself really well. You need to fully understand the scope of a problem before you can solve it. This is true in corporate, this is true in science, and this is true in, in the matters of the heart and the mind. Like you have to fully wrap your arms around the entirety of the problem before you can start throwing solutions at it. Otherwise you're just guessing and guessing poorly. And it's probably not gonna work. There's also a lot of bravery involved. You have to be brave enough to ask the questions and actually answer them. Brave enough to see the answer and maybe cry about it. Men love that answer. <laughs> but the truth is, you have to realize how you've treated yourself and own it. 
and you have to decide you're worthy of better. You have to take a look at how you felt about yourself and decide that you're worthy of better and that, you know, you want to gratitude lifestyle and that it's possible for you and that you realize you've been checked out your whole life and your life is your doing you built it you built it the way it is and you built your unhappiness you have to own and mm -hmm. fully understand what made the unhappiness so you can fully own and understand what it takes to create and sustain the happiness you want I think what you just said is so important because I think so many times people go down that path and, you know, we call it a victim mentality or, you know, when in, in the school that I went to, it's, we, it's all about the energy, right? And so many people get stuck in that victim mentality and can't get out and they're like, oh, woe is me. Everything's happening to me. And so then everything they see that confirms, their mind confirms Oh yeah, that's happening to you. That's happening to you. And sometimes it's really hard for people to break out of that. So again, going back to that negativity, that negative mindset. And I feel like when people finally really, really get that they truly are in control of their own reality through their thoughts, that I believe, I, I call it the awakening. And, and that's when everything changes. It is an awakening. I yeah. use that word a lot. You finally I, get to awaken to who you truly are, the choices you've truly made, and like really have that moment of reckoning. It's like judgment day, not with God, but with yourself. So you don't have to die to get this one, which is very much a relief. Um, you get to have the awakening while you're still alive. And you get to make a choice. It's like, it's a, it's a huge crossroads. It's like you, you get to choose heaven or hell. You get to choose. Yes. Are you willing to do the hard work to climb the damn ladder to go to heaven and have a better life? Or do you just want to choose what's familiar even though it sucks? So true. I love what you just, I've loved everything you said, so I'm going to quit telling you that I love what you say, okay? <laughs> no, I like positive affirmation. I do it for me. You can also do it for me. <laughs> okay. okay, so let's just kind of shift gears for just a second and turn this back to, you know, the corporate world because you've been there, you've retired at an early age, but, you know, burnout is a huge issue in today's corporate world. What tips can you share to help people avoid becoming burnt out? Oh boy, <laughs> burnout. Okay, I don't know how much time we have, but if it's less than eight <laughs> hours, it's not enough. Um, burnout <laughs> nearly killed me. Um, I retired not because I was where I wanted to be financially, and I'm okay with saying this. I was so burnt out because I did things the wrong way. When you don't properly have a relationship with yourself, with life and with the things that you have to do and it's all negative and toxic that's kind of how you feel and you get burnt out the solution to that is to actually do this whole um judgment day thing that we were talking about um really dig in know yourself and and when you do that and you decide you deserve better here's the byproduct of that which is the answer to your question you start advocating for yourself at work because you finally understand that you're worth it. You start creating and gently enforcing your boundaries because you finally understand that you're worth it. You have the words to do it and you don't need to be defensive about it because you realize you're not under attack and your own worst enemy is you. 
So when you stop being your own worst enemy, when you advocate for yourself, when you say, no, I'm not taking on that project. I'm so sorry. I am not available for this. Um, I'd be happy to help you next week. And people push you back. You actually hold firm boundaries. You say no to people with calm and respect. You don't get defensive. You ask for the vacation time when you are ready for a raise or something. You can ask for extra compensation and extra paid time off. You, you start to advocate for yourself much better because you hold yourself in higher esteem. So if, like, but the thing about what I've just said to you is these are not the things to do. These are the natural organic byproducts of working on your relationship with yourself, with life and your tasks. If you do that, doing everything else that I just said to you is actually an automatic byproduct that you don't have to try to do. What happens is if you don't work on yourself and you try to do those things, yikes. <laughs> you ever see somebody try to assert boundaries when they're not very good at it? Ugh. Or say no and they're like, they go from really passive to aggressive, never stopping in the middle at assertive. That's what that looks like. And that's why when you truly love yourself, when you truly love life and you truly love what's before you in like the most profound way as just a default, all the stuff you got to do to prevent burnout becomes automatic and you don't even have to try. That is so good. And I can tell you, I mean, I've actually gone through that and I know I, as you're saying it, I'm like, I get it. I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm hoping that people, cause I'm on the other side of that, right? I do feel the worthy and I am able to set boundaries and I am able to, you know, I know that I'm worthy and I'm not afraid to ask for things. I'm not afraid to say no. And I'm not afraid to take time off, you know, where before I had really had that reckoning, that judgment day with myself, I would say, I can't take vacation because if I do, what will they think? They'll think I'm not working hard enough, right? Or, you know, I can't ask for that raise. I can't ask for this because, you know, I'm, I haven't proven myself or whatever, but, but that, those days are over for me. But I really hope for those people that haven't got there yet, that they're listening to this, that once you do the self work, that's when all this stuff is naturally going to fall into place. It, it can't help but not fall into place. I know there's so many wonderful tools and books out there that in an underdeveloped mind, they just don't work. They just don't like, I remember, and I say this with total abandon and throwing myself under the bus as it runs me over before I retired, I desperately wanted to have better boundaries. I had clients who abused me and I had, you know, uh, employees that abused me. And, you know, I just, I put up with so much and I did things wrong. And I saw this great meme the other day that was like the American, uh, away message versus the European one. The European one is like, I'm off until September. Please email me back then. The American one is, I'm out for two hours for kidney surgery, but you can call my cell if you need me. It's like, <laughs> that is so oh, true. That was me. <laughs> but like, it's crazy. Like I used to read all the books. I used to do all the things and I was so frustrated. Like you asked me why I wrote this book. A big part of the inspiration also is my frustration with all those wonderful tools being completely useless in my hands because I did not have the foundation. So here's another thing where I'm still under the bus. I failed accounting in college. Granted, I'm still good. I'm good at it now. Thank God. Otherwise I wouldn't have a company, but I failed accounting because I never had the proper foundation. I also failed to take care of myself and have good boundaries because I didn't have a foundation. This is the same thing for other people 
foundation. So, all right, so let's say we've done the self-work, but how can employers create work environments that prevent employees from reaching burnout? I am so happy that you asked me that. Employers can do so much to prevent employee burnout. Um, first of all, it's a cultural shift away from we own you and you are here and I'm micromanaging you and I'm going to get my pound of flesh to we're all adults here. Here's your deadline. Here's your task. You're an adult. Go do it. Do it well. It's it's fostering and encouraging a culture of, of accountability, independence, and respect um, from the top down. And from the very tippity top, the pointy part of the org chart, you have to have someone who practices self-love and self-respect and actually takes time off instead of, well, I work 80 hours a week, so all my managers should. And then all my managers should, so their managers should, and blah, blah, blah. And what you have is an entire pyramid that's going to crumble of very burnt out, unhappy people. Or what you could do is create a culture that's like, no, I'm going to ask for what I need. I'm going to be communicative. I'm going to delegate properly. I'm not going to try to be superhuman. And I'm going to lead by example. And I'm going to encourage my team to always ask for what they need. I will reward them when they do. I will not get defensive and withhold vacation time when they say, I'm tired. I will give them more than they asked for. If you respond to people's needs with generosity and you discourage the, oh, I'm sick today, but I'm going to come in anyway. Okay, first of all, thanks to COVID, I don't think too many companies are going to be doing that anymore. <laughs> like, I've always had a problem with it. Like, ew. You have germs. Stay home. Right? We have laptops and Wi-Fi. Figure it out. Bye. <laughs> you know, like you can encourage self-care by actually working to redirect unhelpful, old, archaic ways of thinking like, no, 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 you're sick. We love you. Please get better. Either take the day off or work from home. Turn right back around and go home. Or, oh, you need vacation time. You're asking for two days. You're taking the entire week. I can see how tired you are. It's really tapping into our care of self and care of others. And where this will truly start to be remarkably effective is encouraging and asking for people to be transparent and rewarding them for it when they do, not getting freaked out. This takes tremendous courage and living these truths yourself. I think that is so true. And I will say that is one thing, again, as you're saying this, all these visions are coming into my head about, you know, actual real life scenarios. And I think that's, I, I talk about how great VIP is all the time. Um, but that's one thing that our managing directors very much demonstrate is that it's okay, you know, to, they take vacation all the time. They take PTO, they go work some, from some other remote location. And so that gives us permission to ask for some of those same things, even though we're not owners of the company, they have set that precedence. You know, they don't want us there till six o'clock at night. If you're there at six o'clock at night, that's your fault. You know, that's right. not the culture even that we still, embrace. should be discouraged. Like, no, nobody ever like, had an overall good life if uh you know they're burning the candle at both ends said the girl that used to burn the candle at both ends like you know if we have a greater regard for the humans not just human resources but the humans the people and actually care about them as people not just dispensable like just replaceable people um it, cr it starts to create a different environment 
and you become honestly like my attitude is I am the steward of my company and all the people in it. My job is to ensure their financial well-being, of course, but also to make sure that they're okay. What do you need? You know, we have unlimited paid time off at my company. That's it. And it's, it's really simple. Like get your work done and either figure out if you can't do it, how is it going to get done? Just solve the problem. That's all. Here's all the power. You want to take five weeks off? Sayonara. Have a good time. Just make sure that you don't leave us in the lurch. That's called adulting. And I believe that they have the ability to do it. And I encourage them. We even have, um, a team member who shall remain nameless, who doesn't like to take his time off. And we're always like, would you take a day off, please? Well, I've got, would you take a day off, please? You need it. Just take care of yourself. Yeah, but take a damn day off. Do it. <laughs> you know, you have to like, I don't know. You're not, I mean, unless you're at like a healthcare facility, you're not saving lives. Just for God's sake, let people live their life. And this whole illusion that there's personal lives and professional lives, come on, it's just your life. So when people share a part of their lives with you by agreeing to help you with your organization, whether it's yours or just the one you work for, um, that deserves a certain amount of respect. Don't you think? I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that is a great place for us to wrap up the show. We are almost out of time, believe it or not. It went so quick. I knew it would. But I do still need to ask you our three VIP questions. So I'm ready. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> so if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars and you could bring three people or things with you, what or who would you take? Okay, first of all, I'm going to preface my answer by saying I would not go to Mars. Um, <laughs> but if someone forced me to go to Mars, and I do get to pick those things, number one, I would bring a couple with me that really wants to procreate, because I don't. Um, so it's like, here, you you populate. I'm good. Thanks. Um, number two, I would bring sunblock and probably SPF 5000, because I have a feeling the atmosphere is thinner, and I'm very, very fair-skinned, and I would probably die within a week. <laughs> and then, you know what, my third thing is I'd bring a jetpack, because less gravity uh, exists on Mars. I think it's one-sixth the gravity. Can you imagine the fun you'd have? <laughs> I'd be, like, zooming all around Mars. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I can. You have the kids. I'm gonna zoom around. Bye bye. I can tell you, in 109 episodes, I have not heard any of those answers. Really? What do people say to that? Uh, I get a lot of Matt Damon's. Really? From The Martian. He's just an actor. <laughs> a good-looking one, albeit. But... True. I would take him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back to seriousness. <laughs> Put your serious face on. Wouldn't kick him off Mars. I understand. <laughs> What is one thing you do to start your day that sets you up for success? It's quite counterintuitive. I do not wake up by an alarm clock anymore. I wake up naturally to make sure that my body is fully rested. It's funny. People will ask me, well, what time do you get up every day? When I'm done sleeping. And I don't know when that is. Depends on when I went to bed, how I felt the previous day. I honor what my body needs and I wake up feeling rested and happy. And I can handle just about anything that comes at me. I love that. One of these days, maybe I will have that same flexibility so that I can do that too. But I'm, I'm afraid, I'm one of those people that once I go to sleep, I sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep. I love to sleep. Like I have a whole other life really in my like dreams. Backlogged on your sleep. Probably, but I'm afraid if, you know, I didn't, and, and I get, you know, usually about eight hours of sleep a night, but I think that, um, 
I, I don't know. I just don't think I would get up if I didn't have an alarm clock. Ever. I dare you to try it. <laughs> One of these days. Get yourself caught up on your sleep. Go to bed at like, I don't know, 9 or 10 o'clock. Give yourself a nice, like, two-hour wind-down ritual. Maybe take a bath, have a glass of wine, have the light, lights low, make sure there's no blue lights bothering you, listen to soft music in case you're not naturally tired at that time, and then just lull yourself into a sleep. You'll, I promise, you'll, you'll wake up when you're done. Okay. I'm going to, maybe I'll try it this weekend, see how it works. Okay. See if I can, I'll probably sleep till 12. <laughs> Maybe that's what you need. Maybe it is. Okay, so my final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Uh, girl doesn't do what she's told, colon, wins big. <laughs> that's awesome. How do people find you? How do they find your book? If you go to Amazon or Audible, it's on there. It's The Six Habits. Check it out. Please leave me a review on Amazon. You too, sister. I would love it. Um... You can also go to thesixhabits.com, or if you're Italian and you know how to spell lauradibenedetto.com, you can try that. Depends <laughs> on how brave you are, but thesixhabits.com will get you to the book, the audiobook, the 90-day course, emailing me if you want to say hello, which I'd love to hear from you, whatever you want. Well, and I have to encourage everyone for just a second, because I not only read the book, I listened to it as well, and I think it's very rare that I prefer the audible over the book but you brought that to life Woohoo! <laughs> thank you <laughs> well it's funny when we were in the green room you were saying like oh yeah she's got a sense of humor yes my i wanted to load my book with personality so it was you know interesting to listen to and hopefully a little fun in a few parts i mean it's <laughs> somewhat dry material but you know i tried to make it fun so. oh you definitely made it fun i listened to the very end so that should tell you something it really does. I've ditched quite a few. So that is high praise. Thank you, Madam. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for being here with us today. I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Thank you. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.